If you're looking to grow from six to seven figures in revenue a year, or seven figures a year in revenue to seven figures a month in your e-commerce business, or if you're feeling like you've plateaued in your e-commerce business, this is the podcast for you. You're listening to the Journey to an Eight-Figure Ecom Business Podcast. My name is Emmanuel Alea, founder and CEO of Alea Systems, where we build systems that build brands online and teach e-commerce founders how to go from six figures a year to six figures a month in 90 days or less. I scaled my first e-commerce business from zero to seven figures in two years and seven to eight figures three years later. And since then, we've created an agency to help others recreate the same success, partnering with over 50 e-commerce businesses as clients. In just the last year, we've helped 12 of them go from six figures to seven figures and five of them 10x their businesses going from around 30K a month in revenue to over 300,000 a month in revenue. And we're just getting started. I want to remind you, this podcast isn't for everyone. It's for people who already have an idea, are already selling, but are also not funded in using their own cash to grow their business. Call those bootstrap entrepreneurs. You're trying to have a life while also having a business, but feeling the pressure of having to do it all yourself. If these are your struggles, we're here for you, and you're going to get the most value from this podcast. In the last couple podcast episodes, we've been talking about the first phase of the journey from start to eight figures, basically what it looks like to go from side hustle to a full-time income with your e-commerce store. I've been stressing with all these episodes that the most important component is understanding product market fit and validating that until you've achieved it. In this podcast, we're going to continue talking about this phase of the journey, going from side hustle to full-time income by actually going over the how, the practical specifics by giving you the different tools and systems you'll need to build to actually scale your business. We're going to break this down into three sections. First, we'll go over tools you'll need to scale your marketing and customer acquisition. Second, we'll look at your supply chain. And lastly, we'll dig into things you should not be doing and implementing that are really just a waste of time and distraction for the majority of us as entrepreneurs at the beginning stage. Some of these will be controversial, so strap in and let's get started. So acquiring customers, I get asked this all the time. How do you guys acquire customers? How do you do your marketing? How do you sell, right? It's an important question because there are so many different channels, so many different techniques, and tons of different strategies you can use to acquire customers. And I can tell you after trying tons of different options for e-commerce specifically, people, Shopify entrepreneurs, the people we're talking to, I realized you actually don't need that many. Less is more in this case, especially if you've achieved product market fit. You don't need a ton of marketing tactics and strategies, okay? There's just a few basic tools you need to really get going with your marketing, and these tools are more than enough to get you well past seven figures a year in revenue without needing to add a bunch more, and I highly recommend you focus on just getting these set up, dialed in, and that's it. Move back on to handling customers and building new products, right? So here's my recommended e-commerce tech stack for marketing. First and foremost, your shopping cart, Shopify. Second, your social media channels, right? This is Facebook, this is Instagram, it's your LinkedIn, this is your Twitter, Pinterest if you need it. Third, Klaviyo for email marketing. Highly recommend just using Klaviyo. Don't bother with MailChimp or any of the others. Just use Klaviyo for e-commerce. Fourth, you need feedback tools, right? So these are survey software, things like Typeform, Google Forms, right? Any kind of mail, uh, survey monkey, right? All these tools that help you get feedback. These are your uh, reviews apps like Stamped, okay? You need to set those up. Fifth, Facebook ads. Uh, and sixth, Google 
or Amazon ads, any kind of uh, search-based, intent-based platforms. That's it. Just these six tools are enough to take you past multi-seven-figure business. And I recommend you focus on just these instead of doing a lot of others. I also recommend you learn them and set them up in that order as well, right? Specifically, Shopify, then your social media channels, then Klaviyo for email marketing, then feedback tools, then Facebook ads, then Google and Amazon ads, right? Let's dive into each one of these six tools and why I recommend them for you for customer acquisition and why I recommend them for you in this specific order. Okay, first and foremost, Shopify. This is your cash register. A lot of people disagree with me on this. They think, oh, what about WooCommerce, right? Magento, basically things where you can control custom based builds, right? Uh, whereas Shopify, they, they're they not the most robust feature. They don't have all the features you're gonna want, like a single page checkout or a lot of customization options for personalization. It's not gonna do a lot of that. It's I like to think of it as the 80-20. They give you 80% uh, the Pareto principle, right? The most important features, but then that extra 20% that you wanna customize, you're just not gonna get that. You would need like a WooCommerce or Magento where it's customizable. The problem is that only you can only achieve those that 20% of features if you're a developer or you plan to learn what developers do. Is it really worth it when my guess is you're probably not a developer? You're probably more of a creator or a creative or an inventor or a brand builder, not a coder who wants to sit and read through PHP code and understand how to get these plugins and pixels to work. So I'd argue that that last 20% you don't really need it, or at least it's not worth the hassle and the education that you need to go through. That time could be much better spent doing other things, right? What you really need is a cash register, something that you know 24-7, 365 days a year will not go down. It's always going to work, or maybe goes down a few minutes, a few hours a year at the most, right? It's going to be up 24-7, 365 with little to no interruptions. Also, they're just getting bigger and bigger. So you can be reasonably confident that Shopify is not going anywhere, right? You're not, your store isn't just going to collapse and you have to start over again, right? It's just going to break because the company went out of business, right? That's just not going to happen. You know, I'll be honest with you. I'll give you a quick story. When we got started, we started on WooCommerce. It was like, look, it's free. It's cheap. We're trying to save a buck. Let's make a WordPress site and slap on WooCommerce. But one day I woke up and, uh, Sales were down. It's like, why are the sales down? Well, apparently, one of the plugins that controlled the tabbed browsing on the product pages, it wasn't, it had not been updated apparently. And what that did was that code came before the add to cart button. So because that product, uh, the tab browsing wasn't working, the add to cart button wasn't showing up because all the code after that was busted. So basically, it occurred to me people could come to our site. They can click around, look at all the products, but no one could add to cart, which meant no one could get to the cart, which means no one could pay us. Effectively, our business was shut down because of one little plugin that hadn't been updated. I was only, you know what? That's it. I'm done. I shifted over because to me, you cannot have a business if you, your cash register is not working and, you, and I don't have the ability to sleep at night if my entire business can be shut down because of some little thing like a random app. So I actually like that Shopify's checkout, no one can touch it. It is fully walled off. You can't program it. Even if you're on Plus, you can barely program it. So I actually like that because there's safety there. The one thing you can count on 
is that your store is going to be able to collect payments. And so for me, that's why I like uh, Shopify. Okay. So, and it doesn't have to be gorgeous either. Like when we made that switch, I was able to move from WooCommerce, which had taken me six months to get built up and dialed in and I was studying code in a weekend. I set up my Shopify store. And even though it was shut down, I was back up and running a business in three days. And most of that time was just waiting for the domain to propagate over. And on top of that, what I really learned is design and gorgeous imagery and a beautiful site isn't actually more important than having your checkout. Because the checkout, the page that I actually made, I tried to make it as streamlined as possible. There was no homepage, right? There was no about us page. There was literally just a collection page that I had to figure out how to make the homepage. I had all the products. I uploaded products. That homepage, it was a collection page of all those products, a product page for each one, and then the checkout. That was it. Extremely janky, ridiculously janky. You just showed up at the site. Here's a wall of products. Pick one and buy. That was the whole point. Uh, it was it was janky, but it worked. We were back up and running. We were making money. Okay, so that's why I'm a firm believer. Just jump on Shopify, throw your products up there, get your cash register set up, and start making money. That's what you need to set up first. And then on that store, a lot of people get caught up in all the different apps and all the things you could do. To be honest with you, you don't need a lot of that stuff. Most of the themes these days have a lot of the, the things you need in there. So I wouldn't necessarily throw too many apps on there to start. Just put on, just look at your theme, customize theme, and just make sure you have all the features in there, right? Um, that you can get your shopping going. Maybe have a head banner at the top, get your products in there, and get your um, um, systems in place. Not, not even your systems, just your theme configuration set up, your color schemes, your fonts, and all that kind of stuff. Okay, one thing that I will say to add on is I wouldn't, is your pixels, right? So go set up a Google Analytics account, just turn on a generic one, Facebook ad account, Google ad account, only so you can get the pixels and install those, right? You don't necessarily want to run ads yet, but the benefit of having these pixels on your site at the beginning is you're getting data from day one, right? The, all of these tools will come in handy in the future, uh, these pixels because they'll be collecting data. And a lot of these tools, they use machine learning to learn who your audience is, who your customers are. So it's going to be able to see all the traffic you're getting and build lookalike audiences and profiles and custom audiences of the people who land on your site and bounce, the people who make it to the cart page, the people who buy, the people who repeat buy, the people who just initiate checkout but never finish. So it'll have a begin to collect all that data so that later when you're ready to run ads, it'll be filled with data that it can use. Okay, so get your pixels on there. I'll be honest, this is one of those areas, especially Google Analytics, I like getting that up immediately uh, because we had a scenario one day where we all of a sudden had a big spike in sales, right? We had an influencer that shouted us out and I had no idea. All I, I had that little ding that a lot of us have on our phone where every time you make a sale, it just dings. And one day I woke up, just ding, ding, it was going crazy. It took me over an hour of searching through Shopify and all the tools, all the, the whole system to figure out where where are these sales coming from? Who is this? Because I just didn't fully understand it and I didn't have these tools in place, especially the Google Analytics Pixel. I just didn't have that dialed in, which would have been able to show me, oh, this came from this traffic source, YouTube, this particular YouTube channel, right? So those kinds of things, just having them set up at the beginning is super helpful, okay? Now, once you've got your Shopify, your cash register ready to collect sales, you need to get traffic to it. 
the easiest way for me is start organic. You don't need to run ads. You don't need to do a bunch of events, any of that kind of stuff. Just get your social media set up, right? This is also important because it doubles at a source of legitimacy, right? So with your Facebook, your Pinterest, your Twitter, all these, these are things that can immediately start getting you traffic. You can start reaching out to people on these platforms as your business, which starts generating activity. It's not a lot of traffic and it's a lot of work, but it's enough traffic to start getting you people to your store, to your cash register, interested in browsing your products, right? I also recommend setting these up after you set up your Shopify store, not before. A lot of people set it up before. I recommend doing it after because now you can integrate your store better. So there's apps you can connect, or I think there's a direct channel between Instagram and Shopify and Facebook and Shopify, right? So you can connect directly and now you can integrate your store, your products, right? Integrate your, your images, your posts, so that you can show them on your site as well as showing them on the platform. Show your posts on the site and your products on the social media platform, right? And then once you're on the social media channel, you can start to populate it with content, right? Influencer content, user-generated content, content you've made. One key little trick I like to tell people is if you don't have the ability to make take pictures and do your photography and all that, there's a great ecosystem of photographers that have come up on places like Fiverr or Upwork uh, where you can simply send them your product and they'll send you back in a week or so a whole bunch of product on white, lifestyle images, styled images, even models. They'll hire models for you and take the images for you. So you don't have to be a good camera person, right? And then once you have that kind of content that has been taken, you don't have to edit it either. You can send it to editors, go back on Fiverr or Upwork, and they can create content pieces that are derivatives or derived from the original content you got from your photographer. So you have endless amounts of variations and combinations that you can use to continuously populate your social media channels with content. Content doesn't have to be hard. Okay, so once you've got your Shopify cash register set up and your social media channels set up, the next very next thing to set up is your email marketing, your your Klaviyo account, right? Because what happens is you start getting people showing up at your site, right? And then they're going to leave, right? If that's all you have, they may forget about you. One of the key things to do or the goals should be uh, to reach out to them again. You need a way to own the conversation, right? To talk to them. You may not be able to get a hold of them on social media. So you want to get their email address. And also, if they buy from you, you want to have a way to market to them to buy again, right? You should be targeting your metrics for email marketing. 25 to 40% of your revenue should come from email or more, especially at the beginning stages when you don't have a lot of paid traffic. Most of your marketing will be from your email list, right? So you want 25 to 40% of revenue from email. And you also want to target three or more purchases per year. That's your goal is you're trying to get people to buy again and again. Because if you're constantly relying on people showing up to your website and buying on the first time, that's hard to build a sustainable business. You're going to be doing a lot of social media, a lot of reaching out, a lot of front end. But if you can just send an email out and make money, that's the holy grail. That's really where you start to get that, you know, that uh, passive income that people talk about quite a bit. Okay. Now, we call this, uh, when you do email, when you get your Klaviyo account, there's a couple areas. There's five key areas. And obviously, we have this uh, all written out on our on the course. You can always go to our website and sign up. But there's key areas. There's lead capture, list segmentation, campaigns, and flows, right? Those four major areas uh, are, are really where you need to focus. So on your lead capture, this is a pop-up form or an exit intent form. You want to be able to get to 2 to 5% of your traffic 
signing up for your email list, right? So if you get 100 people to your website, you want two to five of those people to sign up on your email list. And then when they sign up, you want to segment them. Did this person purchase? Did this person sign up yesterday? Is this person, did they browse around and then abandon? Did they add to cart and then abandon? Build all these segments, right? And then once you've got these folks on your list, you want to send them campaigns, right? All five of those people that you signed up. So you had a hundred people come in, two to five of them sign up. You want to keep emailing them. We recommend eight to 12 a month. So that's two to three times a week. Send them non-promotional emails as well as promotional, right? The non-promotional ones can be information, informative type stuff, just interesting things to keep top of mind. And then once you've got the the lead capture going to sign people up, the list segmentation to make sure you're sending to the most engaged people and your campaigns are going out two or three times a week. You want to make sure your flows are set up. These are behavioral based emails like a welcome series, abandoned cart series, post-purchase, browse abandonment, and sunset. These are the five key flows or autoresponders that are constantly sending out in the background based on when someone triggers a behavior. So if somebody signs up for your list, they'll get the welcome series. If they abandon a cart, they'll get the abandoned cart series. These are the money you make while you sleep. Set those up from the beginning and watch the money come in. Got to do this. So that's the third thing I recommend people uh, do is set up your Shopify cash register, your social media channels, then your Clavio, Clavio email marketing account. So quick story about Clavio. This is one of those things we figured out the hard way. Obviously, the school of hard knocks. We built the business up to about 40K a month in revenue, and we were just constantly pounding. We had focused on influencers as our main channel for sales at the beginning, and we're just constantly doing influencers. But as you know, influencers, it takes about a month to get them all hired, to get them all the, con- the product, and then get the content back. And then once you have the, the content and they launch, then all the sales come in. And that lasts maybe two to three weeks. And then all of a sudden the sale starts to taper off as that YouTube video starts to decrease in popularity, right? Well, then you start all over again. Then you have another round. So we had all these boom and bust cycles. So one month will be 40,000, the next month will be 10,000. Then the next month is 20,000, the next month is 15,000, the next month is 60. And it was just kind of this up and down. Well, instead of just having people, just having them do the YouTube channel or the YouTube post to our website and people browse and buy or not, we actually would send all that traffic to a landing page where all they could do was sign up with their email address. Give us your email address, we'll give you a coupon code and we built our email list. Well, guess what? Now, after the sale ended, there were certain people who didn't buy that we were able to email again. And there were people who did buy that we were able to email again. So on the month where we didn't have an influencer promotion and have the big 40K month, in the 10K month, we were able to send emails out and actually get people to buy and that allowed us to smooth out our revenue. So in, even in the months where there weren't a lot of influencers going out, we were still making consistent revenue. We got away from the boom and bust. So I highly recommend email marketing. Uh, start that early. Okay. And once you've got your email marketing going, you need your feedback tools, right? That's the fourth system and tool I recommend. The goal is you want to continually be validating product market fit by letting your audience talk back to you right? You're looking for problems, issues, and feedback, right? Things that are a little bit negative, but that you can fix, right? You want to know that because the worst thing is to not know. And people are just pissed off and not, you're not even aware of it, right? You want that. But you also want to know 
praise and confirmation that your products are solving their problems, right? You want to know that, you know, as people are, are shouting you out and saying comments to you in, in social media and sending things in your customer service inbox, you're going to read it and see, is it actually working for them? You need that confirmation that your products are working and it helps to hear the praise, you know? So you need these tools. What are these tools, right? First is the reviews app. This is an easy way to get reviews is to get feedback is just reviews. When a product goes out two weeks later, uh, after it's been fulfilled, you should get a review saying, hey, here's how I, I liked it or I didn't like it, right? Sometimes it'll be bad. Sometimes it'll be good. That's okay. Just let them say what they need to say. Good examples are stamp.io, judge.me, Luke's, L-O-O-X, and Yapo. Uh, Yapo is another one. I don't recommend it. Their pricing and the way they structure their business. I've, there's a lot of horror stories with those guys. Uh, but that's something we can get into later on. This is much more for the enterprise, the yacht pose of the world. But if you're just getting started out, try like a judge.me or stamp.io has same really good feature sets uh, and gives you what you need, just what you need and, and not a whole bunch of extra stuff with a much bigger price tag, right? So the other thing you might need is a survey tool, right? People need a way to talk back to you. Right. So you can ask questions. We talked about this in the last episode, surveying your customers. So a type form or survey monkey, right? This is a great way to get feedback from your customers at scale. Send an email out, they reply, and boom, you get an Excel spreadsheet with all the replies. Okay. And the third feedback tool I recommend is a customer support. Right. You can either just use something as simple as a Gmail inbox, right? Keep it real simple. Or the tool I recommend is gorgeous, right? G-O-R-G-I-A-S. Right. This is a tool plugs directly into Shopify. It's fantastic. They're constantly building it out. Uh, you can have customer service support tickets. You can set up uh, saved replies. So when, if people keep asking you, where's my order, you can have canned responses that automatically go out. It uses machine learning and AI and these kinds of things to help you build automated responses. Uh, they've got all kinds of features in there that makes it really good. You can also get DMs and comments and respond to comments. And they're starting to work on, I guess, phone calls. So you can get phone calls in there. So you have one place for all the touch points, whether social media, phone, email, chat, SMS, it's all coming into one place, one inbox, where you can do tickets and keep track of all your customer communication. Love it. So you've got your shopping cart set up with Shopify. You got your social media channel set up. You got Klaviyo set up for your email marketing. You got your feedback tools set up to get reviews, surveys, and customer support tickets. Now, once all that's built out, just start, you can start to do your outreach, right? This is your Facebook ads uh, is next. I highly recommend starting there next because for most of us, we're building something new or unique or different, which means, so let me take a moment to describe the difference between Facebook ads and Google ads, right? Facebook ads and Google ads are separate because Facebook is actually interrupting people as they're scrolling, right? Google, people are searching for something, right? Same as Amazon ads, they're searching for something and your ad only appears once they search for that thing. So you only appear if there's intent or demand for that search term, right, for your product. So very different platform. But that means, though, if no one's searching for you, like for us, it was a satin-lined cap. Who's searching for satin-lined caps? It wasn't a lot of search volume. Google ads bombed. Etsy ads bombed, right? Our, uh, they didn't do work at all. Google search, Google shopping, None of that stuff. And we were trying it, right? We were trying it. The worst part was they gave us credit. So, I mean, when you set up your Shopify store, you get free money on Google. And they're like, hey, give us a shot. Try us out. And you're like, I guess that's the way to do it. It's a trap. Run. Don't walk from that. Because if your brand doesn't have a search volume, you'll just burn a bunch of cash because you'll think that, oh, I'm just not doing it right. 
wrong. You're not built for that yet. There's no search volume. And they don't help you out either because they make it really easy for you to get started and to start spending budget because they'll tell you as part of the editor, hey, set up this campaign, set up your payment method. And then, hey, here's some keywords that are super broad, super high level, and a lot of people are searching for. And you'll start spending budget on things that just don't convert at all. Right. So that didn't work for us. But when we went to Facebook, all of a sudden it just took off because now we were able to get our message in front of the people that would be looking for it. They weren't necessarily searching for it, but they're interested in it. And so that's the difference between like a Facebook, a YouTube, Instagram type ad, even LinkedIn to some extent, Twitter, Snapchat, uh, TikTok. These type of platforms get in front of the user, whereas a Google and Amazon Etsy ads uh, Bing, Yahoo, those kind of things, they don't interrupt people. They, they wait for people to come to them. So that's the difference. And the reason why I wait for this step of the process is you want to do this after you have your organic infrastructure in place. So that's your, your shopping cart, right? Your cash register, that's your social media channels, your email marketing and feedback. Once all that's in pay in place, you've got your bucket set up. Basically, I like to think of it as like a bucket where you're pouring water in it. And at the bottom, there's a little hole for conversions, right? You want all that bucket set up. If you don't have those things set up, like if you're missing email, that's like a big hole in the side of your bucket where people leak out and don't convert at the bottom, right? You don't have your feedback tools. There's other holes in that bucket because you don't know that they need to be plugged. You're not hearing from your people. If your shopping cart isn't working, more holes. So if ads are the kind of thing that's really the, the amount of water that's coming into the top of the bucket. All that happens is you're pouring more and more and more and faster. Well, if it's leaking out the sides, that's just waste. So I like to start these ads after we already know like social media is another form of traffic. That's the water in the bucket. It's a slower trickle. You don't get very much and it fills the bucket up much slower, but that's okay because you already have some base level of free traffic coming in, right? The ads, they just supercharge that. It's like putting a fire hose in the bucket. So they start pouring a lot of traffic in, right? So I set them up after this setup, right? So first you got to have, before you get to these, this section doing Facebook ads, you got to have a way for people to pay you, browse your product, to be able to nurture them through email and to reach out to new folks on your social channel. And once all that's working and converting manually, now you can start to look at paying for ads to get even more skill faster. Okay. And once you get the Facebook going, what will happen is you'll start building buzz and people start remembering your name and they'll start searching for you. Maybe they didn't buy right away. They got your abandoned cart email. They saw you on social. You're like, oh man, who are these guys? That's when you start to see more search traffic, right? People start Googling your business name instead of just Googling the problem you solve, right? That's when you can start to turn on Google AdWords. And I highly recommend, this is the sixth one, uh, in this in the series of things to set up the tools and processes highly recommend you just focus on branded at first right just do branded search and branded shopping what do i mean by that so you're allowed to pick keywords right don't worry about picking keywords like hair care or curly hair there's a lot of competition for those there's not very much competition for your brand name so just use those keywords as your brand name now there's not going to be a lot of traffic and that's okay remember you got that credit from google even if you're spending a dollar, two dollars a day, they give you 150 bucks. Let it last for months. That's okay because the thing is, if someone's searching for your brand, you want, you want to come up for that. It's going to be high, high converting keywords, and that way you're not going to waste a lot of your budget on keywords that aren't converting. Someone is very much interested. So you may be thinking, why would I want to put ads on my brand name? 
Like, that's silly. I'm already going to come up for it. I used to think the same thing. Uh, and what happens is it's not really, it's sad, but Google is going to, they don't care that your brand name is yours. They don't think of it that way. They're concerned with the person searching. They want to make sure they get an answer to that person. And what happens is your own brand name may end up having terms that are converting for you, but you're not showing up for them. You know, one example of this is for us, we have one of our, our, our trademark, not trademark names, but like our other names for our products at gracelea.com. That's the brand. The other term is slap cap, right? Satin line cap, slap cap, slaps, slap caps, right? There's other brands that show up higher for slap cap. So for us to be at the top of the search results page, we have to put an ad on there. So it actually, in some cases, it makes sense, right? Or worse, you may get competitors, right? Amazon may come in selling your product. And it's hilarious. Uh, it's hilarious in a kind of sad way, the competition. If you put your products on Amazon, you may lose uh, the search results to Amazon. Amazon's much bigger, much higher domain authority. So your brand terms or Amazon may show up higher and you're competing with yourself in a sense, right? Because your products are being advertised by Amazon on your keywords. So if you want to make sure you get to the top, you've got to do these kinds of things. And that's why, again, this is the last thing I set up when you're kind of in this phase of going from side hustle to full-time income, get all those other tools and systems set up. And then the last icing on the top is this. And if you get that dialed in, your branded search and branded shopping, the only other thing I would really add in is maybe some retargeting retargeting. So site visitors, last 30 days, last 60 days, and that's it. That's it. That's all you need Google ads for. And the budget is not going to spend a lot because there's not a lot of people searching for your product. But as you're doing the other things, your Facebook ads, your social media, those other things that fill your bucket, those things are going to lead to more people interested and that will drive up your branded traffic. I know it sounds like a huge hassle, the Google side, of course. And I wouldn't be surprised if you did not do it, right? Uh, I get that, but it's okay. You don't have to. And like I said, that's icing on the cake. It's the extra stuff, right? All right, that's it. Honestly, there's so much more information out there about marketing tactics and gimmicks for selling your e-commerce products, but they're all just distractions and meant to sell specific channels and products. I'm looking at you, HubSpot. <laughs> like HubSpot is a great example of this, right? They built an entire industry around content marketing. Right. And guess what they built? A content marketing platform. They created a problem that their product solves. It's genius marketing, right? But you don't really need all that content marketing stuff. You know, it's just another version of all the SEO stuff from before. Uh, so you don't really need that at the beginning. These six things I gave you, that's about all you need. Any of this other stuff, they're cool. It just takes a lot of time and energy, energy to figure it out, right? And you don't have that kind of time. Right. You've got other stuff to figure out. I mean, uh, examples of some of these other things like messenger bots, right? Programmatic advertising, pop up shops, like all these kinds of things. They work. Don't get me wrong. They work. But do you have the time and energy to do them as a solopreneur, especially as a bootstrap entrepreneur? You can't test that much stuff, especially if you haven't gotten the six to 10 X margins that we talked about in the previous episode. You don't have enough margin to try out all these different things. OK, so with this marketing tech stack I gave you here. You'll be able to do the core things you need, taking orders from your prospects, finding new potential prospects, and getting feedback from customers and prospects about your products and solutions. That's really all you need in order to scale past six to seven figures in revenue on the marketing side of things. The other area where people get tripped up is not just figuring out customer acquisition, but their supply chain. So next we'll focus on the tech stack you need to actually fulfill on those orders and manage your supply chain. Supply chain. 
This is not something that's talked about very often, especially in marketing circles and in e-commerce newsroom, but we will hear because in my opinion, the marketing side of things is actually easy and is usually not why people who have achieved product market fit fail. It's usually the op side of things that causes people to stumble, right? They stumble because they didn't put foundational pieces in place and there are cracks that get created in the business's foundation while the business is small, right? While the business is small, these cracks don't cause that big of an issue. But if the business gets really big, especially if it grows big really quickly, those cracks become extremely dangerous and become an issue. So let's talk about all these things now so you can get ahead of them and not have to worry as you scale your business that these things are going to come and bite you. Okay, first and foremost, first thing, EIN number, right? Some people, they just get going. They set up their store and they start rolling with it, right? But you need to have an EIN. Separate your business and personal right away in the eyes of the government for tax purposes, right? That's crucial. You don't just launch, right? And even if you're going to launch, just do it. It's quick, right? In terms of how much work it takes, go go to the IRS page, fill it out, and they'll send you a number back in the mail. You don't need a lawyer to do it. I've done that. Played 1500 bucks for someone to incorporate my business, and they filed off some, some paperwork, right? It's not that complicated. You don't need all that. Uh, just send it off and then register with your secretary. Send it off to IRS, get your EIN number, and then register with your secretary of state. Okay. Then once you get it going, you can have a lawyer review it and see, Hey, have I done everything? It's much cheaper that way. If you just ask them to stand it up for you, they're going to charge you an arm and a leg, right? Just do that initial work yourself and then have them review it. The second thing, and this comes after getting your EIN number because you need it, is a business bank account, right? Do this right away. Your tax people will thank you if you do this. Don't have this your, your business finances going through your personal checking. Right, separate those out. Have your business bank account separate from your checking bank account, and then keep your expenses separate. Don't run personal charges through your business, and vice versa. Don't run business charges through your personal bank account. It just makes things so much cleaner at tax time. It makes it easier on you, to be honest, to understand how your business is doing. Okay, and then once you've got your EIN and your business bank account, walk on down to the UPS store and get yourself a UPS box. Right or the mail post office and the PO box and open it in the business's name. Same with your business bank account. The key to the business reason why I'm saying business bank account and business PO box is you want to have a business name, right? So that that way, when people send you a letter or they send you money, they're sending it to the business entity, not to you as a person, right? It helps set up uh, uh, separation and make you look more professional, right? And the UPS box, you want a physical address because lots of the tools that mail you stuff and reach out to, they want to send to a physical address. A lot of people, when they see that, like PayPal, for example, and they go fill that out, or your manufacturers or you know shipping tools, right? They use their personal address because they're like, oh, the PL box isn't going to work. No, use a UPS box because it's a physical location, right? Or worse, they use their home address. I can't tell you how many times that's come back to bite me, right? Having customers show up at your door because your home address was the return address on the package they received. And they're like, hey, is this uh, such and such.com? I'm trying to return this package. You don't want that happening, okay? Or having shipments coming to your house, right? Because they that was the address you gave on the business. I've had a residential neighborhood having semi-trucks parked down the block because they can't make it in because it's too big of a... a a truck to make it down the streets. Not the streets not rated for them, right? They, they have a pallet of product they're trying to drop off, and we have to walk down and hand unload everything and walk it back to the house. 
not fun. So make sure you have a separate UPS box that can actually handle uh, these type of deliveries. Okay. Once you've got your PO box or UPS box, you've got your business bank account, your IN number, make sure you then go to either Google or some other domain provider and get yourself an email address as well as a URL, right? That supports your business. Got to have these things, right? People normally get the URL, but they forget about the professional email address. You want that. Set up one for yourself, the personal one, but then also set up a separate one, a support email address. That one's crucial. Right? Because you don't want all of your notifications blowing up your personal inbox. You want to keep your personal business inbox to something where you actually need to action on it. right? Uh, and then your support inbox can be things like your notifications from Shopify that it's time for your bill or from PayPal or those kinds of things. Okay. Once you get your email address set up, you want a professional phone number as well. right? Uh, I messed this up at the beginning. Uh, I put my phone number, my personal phone number on things like PayPal when we're setting up the account because I didn't recognize that's what stuff is going to be customer facing and what's not. So sometimes like on your Shopify store, your phone number may be in the terms and conditions or the privacy policy or on your shipping labels. It may go out on your out there or your um, check stubs, right? Your, your payment processor. If you use your phone number when you're starting up, there, you're going to get those calls. I still get phone calls today from customers like, is this gracealaya.com? This, uh, I want to return my item. I got a charge here. I don't know what this is. This is, I have no idea. Is it PayPal? Is it authorized.net? Is it Shopify? We don't know. We can't find it. But somewhere six years ago when I was setting it up, I used my personal phone number and uh, I still get calls. We haven't been able to change it. So start from the beginning. Go Google Voice or somewhere else and get a phone number that, and it could be just something that forwards straight to your personal. It might work, go to your personal number, but at least you can later on route that phone number somewhere else and it's separate, right, from your personal. Okay, so those are all the like core administrative things you got to set up first. The second is on the accounting side of things. Go on and get you a QuickBooks account, right? I know there's some people that want to use zero for their bookkeeping. I don't recommend it, right, because QuickBooks, and here's why. We use zero. We use zero for a while. We still use zero. The thing is, all the accountants out there pretty much use QuickBooks. So if you want to work with someone, if you ever want to outsource your accounting and not do your uh, bookkeeping forever, you want to use the thing that most people are familiar with. And because there's such a limited demand for zero accountants, you're going to be paying more if you actually do outsource to um, a bookkeeper and you have zero. A lot of them are just going to, going to charge you more because they're like, hey, we know we can there's, there's far fewer of them. So I recommend starting out with QuickBooks and also I recommend starting because it's not going away. The QuickBooks has been around for years and uh, it's going to be around for years more and people are used to it. They're familiar with it. Right. And if you get used to that and you get started on that, you won't have to find yourself replatforming later. And I can tell you it's almost impossible to replatform years down the road. It's, you just won't want to do it. It's so difficult. So start off right. And then on top of that, if you're if you can find a QuickBooks accountant who has already used dealt with e-commerce businesses before, that's the holy grail. That the sooner you find that, the easier it'll be to manage your accounting in your books. So try and offload that as, as soon as possible, your bookkeeping. Okay. Now, when moving from accounting to shipping and fulfillment, that's the next part of supply chain, right? You got your admin done, you've got your accounting and your book set up so you can track an account for your money, then your orders and shipping. Right. The next stage is orders and shipping. Ship station. Right. Simple, easy, plugs into everything. Uh, it helps you print labels. You can plug into the postal service. This is so much easier. When we started, we were we would get an order, 
we would grab the item, we'd run down to the post office, stand in line, grab a package uh, to put it in while we're standing in line, walk up to the counter, buy a stamp, seal the envelope, send it on its way, come back home, and guess what? Another order just showed up. (laughs) We're doing all of that manually going to the store. So I highly recommend you set up ShipStation because it allows you to do all of that from home, right? Do the shipping, printing the labels, get connecting to your cart, automating the label printing process. So highly recommend that. And the best part is it's ShipStation. You can use a lot of other shipping easies. The second one I recommend uh, for shipping labels and shipping, uh, but or even Shopify if you really don't want to use a separate tool. But Shopify has their own uh, shipping provider. But it's simple. And it plugs in everything. So as you grow, it's scalable. So if you start using an inventory management system like Stitch Labs or Skibana or any of these others, it plugs into those so you don't have to change your label printing process. It plugs into all the shopping carts and it plugs into third-party logistics providers too. We had a, we used Shipwire for a while and we didn't have to plug in to Shopify or try to build a separate app to connect. We just plugged them into to ShipStation and it worked just fine. They got the orders, they fulfilled the orders and it talked back to our ShipStation, which talked back to Shopify to show the fulfillment was closed. Simple, right? Automated all of that. Okay, so now you've got your ShipStation. The next part is your product, right? Making it as well as controlling it. So inventory management, right? Managing your inventory. Uh, SKUs and collections are crucial, right? So organize your inventory. Start from the beginning by giving everything a SKU. And I highly recommend instead of making your SKUs just a combination of letters and numbers, 3729XVZ2, I don't understand what that is looking at it. Highly recommend you make your SKUs human readable, you know, large cap blue, large cap red, large cap green, small cap blue, small cap red, small cap green. That way it's easier when you're reading the SKUs to understand. Okay, do that from the beginning because, again, this is one of those things two, three years down the road when you're realizing all your SKUs suck and you can't understand anything. We have so many and everything's getting lost and people are confused. It's very hard to go through and change all your SKUs all over again for hundreds of products with lots of variants. Okay, barcodes, UPCs and barcodes. Go on and get those done early. Right, Get your UPCs, get your barcodes, and send them to your manufacturers. There's two parts to this. One is have them. A lot of people don't have their barcodes or UPCs. Right. And so when they go to work with a fulfillment center, there's no barcode on it. So they've just been selling the product, you know, because they had a SKU. Shopify works off of a SKU uh, and then they package it themselves and sell it. Well, when you want to outsource, they need you to have a barcode to keep control of it. So you can't actually work with a fulfillment center because you don't have it. So what do you do? You go get barcodes and you start putting them on. So you put all your barcodes on your product and you ship it to them. But all that effort you had to apply and after the fact, putting it on the product. And guess what? You have to do that every time you get product from your manufacturer. Uh, So what I recommend is start early, get your barcodes. And then as you're making your first run of product, provide them with the barcode numbers. And that way they will be able to put those barcodes on your product for you from the beginning. And you never have to worry about it. Okay, good. So that's inventory management, some key tips there. Manufacturing your product, right? So the next key thing is it's not a tool Uh, necessarily, but it's a system, right? Have clear tech packs and QA documents. So you want to make sure tech packs are simply a depiction of how to make your product. The clearer you've outlined the steps, you can shop that around to other manufacturers and you can get easy pricing and figure that out. The worst is when you call up a manufacturer, you're like, yeah, I kind of want it to look like this and I kind of want it to look like that. 
take the time to work with someone of Upwork or Fiverr to help them outline the steps to making your product or just diagram it out or draw it out uh, and be able to have that when a manufacturer asks you so that they can make you a quote, okay? And then QA documents. You know better than anyone what you look for when you're checking and when you're looking at your returns, right? You know what people are saying would cause them to return your product. So make sure that you write that down into a QA document and provide that to your manufacturer too. This dramatically simplifies getting quotes from your vendors and helps them truly understand your product and helps them evaluate what they've made so that you make sure you get a good product from them, okay? And then packaging. So you wanna look at packaging, make sure you ship your product yourself so that you can see how it holds up in transit. Make sure you see how your packaging is going to work, what it's going to look like, put some time and effort into that, but don't put too much. I find some people who spend you know, 20% of their product costs on making this beautiful unboxing experience. I hate that. I can't stand that. Like it just needs to arrive, get there, right? Because think about it. You're putting all this energy into the unboxing. What are you really shipping? What is the unboxing stuff? It's really just trash. You're shipping trash. That's how I think about it. As pretty as it is, it's trash, right? Because what do you do? You, you get the item out of the box. You're like, oh, that's pretty packaging. And you put the packaging in the trash. So why would you spend so much money on packaging. That's just my two cents, right? So don't put too much time in it. Just make sure it arrives, right? Okay. And last but not least, I highly recommend uh, you get a rep from your shipping company. We talked about ShipStation and how simple that made made things. Get a rep, right, from USPS, from FedEx, from UPS, right? Call these people and get a PLC. They can be super helpful to have. Even if you're not shipping a lot, just have someone you can call because they also have programs, right? You can have questions answered if you have stuff that you isn't working or you're wondering about, you know, what happened with this package or that project package, they can answer and do customer service for you. But they also have access to free supplies and programs. And sometimes you can get free packages, free boxes, scales, measuring devices, all kinds of things, labels, those kinds of things. They have those programs. Okay. And for your website, make sure you write out your policies, your shipping policy, your privacy policy, terms and conditions, and refund policy. If you are on Shopify, they make it super easy. Go to settings and legal, right? And there's all those policies pre-made for you. You just hit generate and they get you a sample one, read through it, customize it as needed, and you're good to go. So in conclusion, in this episode, we've talked about specific tools and systems to implement to help you go from side hustle to full-time income in your econ business. Hopefully the feeling you're feeling is not overwhelmed with all the different tools, but relief because it's so much less than you were thinking you were needed. That's who I think I'm talking to, right? I get a lot of calls for help from people every day asking about some random new tool or tactic or strategy. And usually we can dismiss them as a hack or time suck. And then we move on because it's just like all these tools, I just have to explain to them, just use these six, the six tools that I recommended. Focus on those for marketing and supply chain, uh, all those tools. And that's it. That's all you need to worry about. All these other things, you don't need them, right? That, these were more than enough to get us past six figures a year, six figures a year, excuse me, and even to mid seven figures a year in revenue, right? Got us plenty of revenue. Uh, we didn't. You don't need a ton of tools. And on the flip side, if you don't have these tools and your business grows to mid seven figures, this is the sad part. If you miss on this because you're so focused on the shiny objects or the fancy, you know, marketing angle, uh, but you don't have email set up or you focus on some, you know, retail location, but you don't have a, a Shopify store set up properly, right? It's going to trip you up. It's going to be painful trying to run your business because there'll be glaring foundational holes in your business to trip you up, right? If you don't have good 
customer feedback systems in place and you're selling to thousands of people a month, any error may cause a percentage of them to take to social media. And it may be a large percentage, a large number of people, and that would be bad. You'd rather deal with those challenges in private, right? In your email, in your customer inbox, right? Your email, customer email, email inbox, right? Customer service email inbox, right? Or have them call you or in your gorgeous customer service tool, right? Or if you don't put in place email marketing for repeat customers and you only focus on front-end customers to grow revenue, you'll have trouble being profitable because you're paying your ad platforms for every customer. And if your ads ever stop, you'll stop all your revenue, right? That's a scary place to be. So put these add-ons in place in your business at a minimum and then move on to more important things like revalidating product market fit with your customers, making new products and solutions for these, pro for these problems and delighting them with wonderful customer service. In the next episode, we'll begin exploring the next phase of the journey, going from full-time income to hiring staff. Subscribe, rate, and review this show on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast hosting platform. If you know of any other e-commerce businesses trying to go from six to seven figures a year in revenue, share this show with them. Visit our website, www.alayasystems.com, and sign up for our newsletter. As a thank you for signing up for our newsletter, you'll immediately get access to our Clavio email marketing resource kit, a must if you're selling online, to make sure you're getting the most revenue you can from back-end sales and not having to constantly scale through paid acquisition. I'm Emmanuel Alea. We'll see you on the next episode.